Hello, welcome to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Bird, and I do have a co-host as well. Matt Parmley. Hi, Matt. What's up, How Bird? are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> um, we are joined... <laughs> Uh, by a couple of, of guests, we have, first of all, no stranger to the show, uh, author John LeMay, who uh, you may know from uh, a lot of stuff at this point, but books such as The Lost Films and The Big Book of Japanese Giant Monsters and Kong Unmade, and uh, he has a new one out too. So, John, why don't you say hello and tell people what you're what you're up to these days? Well, hello. Yeah, I, I just did a new book called Writing Japanese Monsters. And what's funny is I watched uh, the subject of what we're going to talk about today, Return of Ultraman. I watched that after I wrote the book, and I loved it so much that I've already I've already started a chapter for the second edition of writing Japanese monsters that'll have Return of Ultraman in it. But, but yeah, there's that. And then there's, uh, I started the Lost Films fanzine. So that's a new thing. If you just type in Lost Films fanzine on Amazon, you'll find it. It's pretty, you know, cheap and affordable. Little, little digest magazine. So that's what I've been up to. All right. And writing Japanese monsters is the uh, screenplay development process, correct? That's correct, yeah. Okay. Want to make sure that you uh, plug your book accurately. <laughs> Thank you. Because I'm assuming you want people to buy it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have a, a, a debut guest. We have, I, I don't know um, if I should introduce him as a blogger, but we have uh, <laughs> Mr. C- Connor Anderson, who um, is... Uh, very knowledgeable on all things Ultraman, more so than than myself for sure, and the rest of these guys. So um, we we figured that uh, he could tell us a thing or two about a thing or two. Um, so is is this your first podcast appearance? Uh, no, actually, I've been on a I've been on a couple before. Um, I was most recently on uh, on the Mazer Patrol podcast for Gridman. Um, Echo Vengeance's Godzilla episode, and just this Monday, um, One Curse Morsel's uh, episode about A Voice in the Night by William Hope Hodgson. So I've I've been you know on a couple podcast episodes that for this All one, right. but All right. uh, interestingly enough, we didn't know until what yesterday that you actually had an Ultraman blog that you didn't tell any of us about. <laughs> Yeah. So I, <laughs> I I'm going to make you modest, but... tell tell people about your blog because uh maybe it'll actually encourage you to like do more with it. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, um I have a blog called Easter's Kaiju Compendium and it's about me going through literally every single Ultraman monster. Um I'm up to the ones in Return of Ultraman right now. I'm working on Ace and I talk about their design, how I feel about them as well as the uh the inspiration and like uh, concept behind them. Like I've been able to dig up a lot of cool factoids and uh, concept art for a lot of creatures that um, normally uh, kind of go unnoticed, you know, compared to like guys like Red King and Gomorrah. So if you, you know, check uh, that out. Oh. 
you, you know, I was going to ask because just in our like normal conversation day to day, like you you bring up a lot of um you know, trivia and facts about different Ultraman creatures or shows or whatever. Um information on a lot of Ultraman stuff is very hard to come by in on this side of the world. Where where do you go when you're like I I want to learn about Ultraman? Because like do you try and translate Japanese text or or what? Because a lot of the especially once you get out of like Ultra Q, Ultraman, Ultra 7, like the the further along you get, like the harder it is to find information on a lot of this stuff. Well, uh, for me, um, my biggest resource and help has been uh, has been the site Ultopia. It's a it's a site run by a, a a Japanese fan who grew up in the '60s and '70s. And the great thing about this site is that he he posts all the information in English. And there's a lot yeah. of really cool factoids that I had no idea uh, even existed that really changed my perception on a lot of these shows uh, that he shares. Um, so yeah, that that would be like the best place to look in English for Ultraman factoids, even though he's only covered the first couple shows and everything. Aside from that, and, and I he rebooted getting... his blog too. Like all the stuff from like a few years ago is like I because I I was on there and I was having to use like the Wayback Machine thing to get to like <laughs> yeah. his older stuff. Yeah, um, his old blog. Uh, unfortunately died i'm not sure what happened but you know i had this horrible suspicion that he maybe had died um in the year or two that he was absent and then he comes back this year with a brand new blog saying oh yeah i'm back and it you know it's it's not unfortunately as comprehensive as his old blog so far but he's he's starting to put up more and more articles each day um of the stuff that had been on the old blog so uh yeah like even though it's again not as good as it was back in the day, it's it's definitely a resource that I would consider the the best option in English to look at Ultraman information. And you said something. You were about to say something about a second place you would like to go. So the second place isn't as uh, exciting as Ultopia. I just go to Japanese Wikipedia and turn on Machine Translate. <laughs> and then oh try yeah, to that's make not sense exciting. Of, uh, <laughs> of uh, what I can find. And, you know, if there's a citation somewhere, I try to follow that lead until I get to, you know, what I need or, you know, find a dead end. But so far it hasn't, it hasn't failed me yet. Okay. We'll see what happens though. When I get to the more obscure stuff, um, do you ever so do yes. like pieces on like, on, on who would win between like Killazy and Bagan? Do you ever do stuff like that? <laughs> well, first of all, I don't know if Killazy could fight Bagan, but Vacuumon would definitely whoop Bagan's ass. Just saying, um, okay. but uh, no, like my my primary interest, aside from my just own thoughts on each creature, are uh, are you know the origin of the creature, like the the design inspiration, you know, funny stories from the production and everything, concept art, and you know the legacy it leaves behind. Like, there's a lot of monsters that you know we we view as iconic in the Ultra series, like. Pigmon, Garamon, uh, you know, Gomorrah, Ella King and everything. But what about like, no one remembers, you know, Takong really, aside from the people who are obsessive, obsessive uh, Ultraman fans. So like, it's it's kind of fun to track 
when and where these characters, you know, reappear again and, you know, making note of why did they bring this character back? Because, you know, there's sometimes they plan to bring a character back and then they decide, well, we, we don't, we'd have to make another suit for this guy. So why don't we just use this monster we already have? So, uh, so yes, we are here to talk about return of Ultraman um, I don't know. I guess before we do that, uh, we have some fan questions. Uh, Matt asked our loyal Twitter <laughs> listeners uh, about eight all eight hundred of them uh, to submit questions, and uh, a whopping three questions were submitted. <laughs> we <laughs> we are uh, so, moving. So we, the, are we, uh, we're doing that now. We want to do that now. Then I, we should probably I do that first. I wasn't prepared to do that right now because some of them are actually like relevant to the show <laughs> like the discussion that we're going to be having but we can it's just one of them yeah let's just do it if it's something okay. that can wait um, for later we'll just tell them to all right so so the first listening. one in this question made me laugh uh and this is relevant to probably every single Ultraman. but what was your guy's favorite decapitation oh That's favorite from, uh, listener thorax um, favorite decapitation. I gotta think real quick. There's there's a, there's been a lot of decapitations. Um, I've got one, but it's maybe some spoilers for Ace if people care at all. Um, but there's an episode in Ace where he's fighting this monster known as Barabbas, and this this thing has like, for one hand he's got like a blade, and he's got a sword on top of his head, and Ace grabs the sword on top of his head, stabs him. Uh, smacks him so hard his eyeballs pop out and then rips the uh, rips the the blade you know the blade hand off and then just decapitates him it's just such a thorough you know massacre uh, and that's why I love it I, I don't know that we can top that honestly <laughs> uh, I haven't seen oh it gosh. but it sounds sweet uh, I don't really have an answer because as of right now like I'm kind of watching along with the the releases i i'd seen q ultraman and seven before because they were released before but uh everything else i'm just kind of getting them as they as they come so so far all the decapitations have been pretty much the same and and pretty vanilla every now and then um if he's feeling especially horrible he'll like cut off arms and legs and stuff too but uh yeah i don't i, I don't know i i am eager to to see the more um the more gruesome ones though i know bimstar gets it pretty bad he like lops off his head and arms and just everything so you know there's several of those yeah yeah i'm also quite fond of the ones that were after right after they get decapitated they get blown up too (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that happens a lot The, the, the overkill is a big deal i guess uh uh for them Yeah, that's, John, uh, do you have a favorite is... decapitation? <clears throat> I'm actually surprised by how many there are in Ultraman. I guess my favorite is the first one I ever saw because it took me by surprise. And I, I want to say it was an episode of Ultraman Taro where he's fighting like a, a Majin type monster and it it decapitates Taro and his head flies off and then oh, it yeah, reattaches. The, the Taro episode, Taro loses his head, which, by the way, is a wonderful episode. Yeah, What's that was the. It's not a decapitation, but is it uh, Giron in Seven that Ultra uh, Ultra Seven 
uh, like, like slashes his throat basically. and yeah, yeah that's, uh, <laughs> and right. there's like all this <laughs> arterial spray. That's, and that's, that's a monster that truly did not deserve it that. either. No, I mean most of them aren't at this point, but <laughs> that one was especially tragic because he like his homeland got nuked and he like came to Earth and got his throat slit horribly. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um so the next uh, question actually came from kyle yown over at kaiju cast he and this is what? something we're going to talk about but i'll go ahead and mention it now uh he says you'll probably mention it anyway but how invested were you in go's civilian crew before dot 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 you know yeah so we'll talk about <laughs> we'll get, okay yes so, uh so. yeah we'll we'll get there so um teaser for last, last question last, yeah. last question and, and I, this might be a good place to actually kind of start the discussion, but um, Nathan Marchand of the Monster Island Film Vault, he said he, re- he read that Honda wasn't as proud of his work on TV, but what do we think of the five episodes that he brought to the show? And do you feel like it was a waste of talent as a director? And then why or why not? Shout out to Nathan. I don't know that he wasn't proud of it so much as to say that you know, these were jobs that he did as favors to his friends. Uh, after Yogg, he, he considered himself retired. <clears throat> and he was very loyal to the people that helped him along the way in his career and to the studios, uh, especially Toho. So so that's why, you know, Toho calling him and saying, you know, hey, can you throw together these shortened versions for kids for these champion things? Or, hey, you know, we have this show, Zone Fighter, you want to do a handful of them? Or, or uh, in, likewise, if Tsuburaya calls uh, and says, hey, you know, you want to do a few of these uh, series, you know, Mirror Man, Return of Ultraman, whatever, you know, he would, he would say yes. That's also how they got him to kind of... Um, watch over Bano a little bit on Smog Monster and how they uh, <clears throat> got him to do Terror of Mechagodzilla. Um, and uh, if not for Akira Kurosawa later on, you know, he probably wouldn't have done any film work for the rest of his life, you know. Uh, so, um, and uh, from from uh, what his biography said, he, he enjoyed working on the shows not so much as you know, this pure artistic expression or whatever, but he liked working on the shows to work with um, a lot of the younger directors, younger um, uh, uh, effects guys, younger editors, um, just younger crew members, and kind of, you know, being kind of a mentor figure. Uh, He would often visit the sets of those shows um, on episodes that he wasn't working on just to to check in and you know and and see how everyone was doing and um now uh it's, I, I i certainly wouldn't call anything honda did a waste of of talent um i don't really think that's the right way to look at it excuse me um uh i certainly think that as as the person who was doing the first two episodes of Return of Ultraman, um, I, I think right off the bat, this this show, in comparison to the other ones, um, and I'm partially convinced it was because 
of those first two episodes. It, it does have a little bit more of a cinematic look to it. Um, and I know that there had been great directors like Akio Josoji and such on, on the previous episode, uh, shows, um, episodes of the previous shows that were very visually interesting. But I, I think overall the, this show has a lot less of that kind of flat lighting. Um, it, it seems to be photographed a little bit better. Um, and, you know, usually uh, with the first few episodes of a show, you know, that's kind of what determines the, the tone and the, the feel of how it is moving forward. Um, uh, as far as what I think of the particular episodes, there's, what, the two at the beginning, the two a little bit later, and then the finale. Um, he does I, the rainbow one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he does rainbow monster. Yeah, the, I, I think the, the, two, the two-parter that starts the series I, I think is great. I think among uh, the best of the 51 episodes, um, I really love the first two. Um, <clears throat> the two that he did um, a little bit more towards the uh, upper middle, um, I don't know, those don't they're okay. Um, the Rainbow Monster one is all right, and then there's the one with uh, what's the one of the one of the uh, members gets stranded on an island. Who who got stranded? I don't even remember. The uh, oh God, I can't remember because they're both kind of interchangeable. I believe it was either Minami was. or Ueno. They're like the same guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I have a friend, uh, the guy who runs Ultrablog DX, he calls them the twins, which, you know, doesn't... <laughs> anyway, I, I don't know. Uh, the, that was Minami. The, okay, it was know. Minami. I mean, that but, one's okay. That yeah. one uh, reminds me, since it's a guy stranded on an island, reminds me a little bit of the island Godzilla movies, but I don't know. Those two episodes were kind of just, you know, they kind of fall in the middle. Um, but I really like the finale um, with uh, the return of Zetan. Um so yeah, no, I, I, I mean, obviously you can't compare anyone's like work for hire TV work to feature films, but um, I certainly don't think it was a waste of talent, especially if he was actually there, um, you know, teaching a lot of the younger guys, you know, how to do things, showing them the ropes and being like a mentor figure. I mean, you know, who who wouldn't want to be working on a show and having the director of Godzilla come and you know say hello and show you how to do some stuff. So um, so that's my take. I don't know if you guys have um, a less boring and less long-winded answer, but go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think you I think you basically said all the things I wanted to say, Kyle, about how I feel about Honda's uh, input on the series. I've seen I've seen Honda's TV work and like, you know, at its very worst, it's just, Oh, that was, that was okay. Yeah, but you know, yeah. when it's his very best, it feels very cinematic, like uh, his opening to mirror man and return of Ultraman. So yeah, like I think, I think he did a great job for the show. Yeah. And it's important to, and I think this kind of spans globally, you know, directing a episode of a TV show is much different than a film. You know, you're, when you're on a TV set, you know, you're there to kind of fulfill a lot of other people's visions, and you're more or less, uh, with all due respect to every sh director of every TV show ever made, you know, you're more or less there to say, okay, stand here, camera's here, and we're going. Um, 
you know it's it's mm-hmm. a lot it's a it's a way quicker kind of uh kind of production than a movie where you know you're you're more or less there to answer to other people and and stuff and and considering that though i think uh honda really did bring out a lot of good things visually especially in the those first two episodes um Where my mind went when when Nathan mentioned you know like the movies compared to the TV series was uh, more like character empathy I guess um, so I I would say that Honda's TV work uh, he he created more empathy for me at least with the characters than he did in like Destroy All Monsters you know what I mean because the characters in that are kind of flat whereas Go and all the characters on Return of Ultraman you know I have some sympathy for. And even actually the the episode he did of Zone Fighter, um, where there, it's like it's the one where the guy pretends to be a friend from Peaceland. He's really uh, an imposter. I mean that was actually a, uh, I think well directed from the the people part standpoint. You know what I mean? So they didn't have the big cinematic flair, but I think he did well with the drama still, and that that you know shown through it all. The one thing about Honda is I never feel like his stuff is slapshod, thrown together. You always feel like there was genuine effort. And I think that reflects, I mean, the first couple episodes are among the best for, for me anyway. I actually happen to really like the Rainbow Monster one as well. Um, but I just think there's always, you can always tell that he's putting forth effort. And like, you can also kind of, it just, it feels very sincere, I guess, would be the way to put that. And, I, and I've always appreciated that about anything that he directs uh including zone fighter i think that was a good observation john oh thank you um, i want to talk about before we get off on a different tangent on this rainbow monster episode you know i, I have a theory because you know they say that honda watched bano's rough cut of hitera and you know hitera has the scene of of the smog monster like attacking the hippies around the campfire you know and that was released in july of 71 this episode aired in may of 1971 and it has a very similar scene where Gorbagos, the you know the rainbow monster, he attacks some hippies around a campfire, and I just kind of wonder if the Hedera scene inspired that maybe, you know, just because they're so similar, and uh, there was so much overlap in Return of Ultraman with Godzilla that I'm sure we'll talk about. But I mean, do you guys think that's just a coincidence? Uh, probably. I, I mean, who be... who didn't want to see hippies get murdered? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it might be coincidence, but I wouldn't be surprised because the uh, there's a lot of cross pollination between the two franchises for sure. Which again, we'll we'll get into that in a moment. But I think that's probably more of a screenplay thing. You know, I mean, if that's in the the teleplay for that episode, you know, he didn't write the script. You know, he... yeah. So I don't. I mean, it could be something that that writer picked up on, or like I said, I mean, it could just be coincidental. Um, what, uh, well, John, what episode number is the rainbow monster? It's episode seven. And again, ah, it, it okay. aired in May of 1971. Okay. All right. All right. <clears throat> um, so they were, they could have shot at the same time. I don't know. Cause they're fairly close, you know, July and May. I don't know. Hetero was actually released with episodes five and six at the Champion Festival too. Um, oh yeah. Um, okay, so uh, is that it for for uh, listener questions? 
Yeah, man, we got we had our our three, and we're out. Okay. Um. All right. So I guess I guess we will just do pre-production and planning now. Uh, in which case, I'm going to leave it mostly to John and Connor to kind of set the stage before we get into what the show is about and this and that and the other thing. Um, so we are um, how many years removed from Ultra 7 at this point? We're about, let's see, about three or so years removed from uh, Ultra 7, you know, and about a year removed from Ultra Fight. Uh, if anyone knows what that is. <laughs> so from what I've heard, you know, Ultra 7 didn't do too well. And what happened was they, they did Ultra Fight. And the ratings were really good for that. And, you know, Super I was like, well, maybe we can do another Ultraman show. And they started planning uh, a show, you know, about the return of the original Ultraman, who came back to Earth about 30 years later from his original show. It had something to do and with merch, they, merchandise and reruns or something, didn't it? Yeah, um, and apparently in, in this original play, uh, they had they had Captain Muramatsu and Hayata showing up, and Hayata passes down the Beta capsule to, uh, to Hideki Go, who becomes the next Ultraman. But apparently the sponsor is like, we want we want a new Ultraman for this. We don't want we don't want to sell toys of the old one. We don't we want a new guy. And uh, from what I've heard, it basically got changed from the show we knew we now know um after uh after eiji Subaraya died and you know uh shozo uihara was brought on i've always thought the marketing thing was just ludicrous because to me ultraman and ultraman jack at least as a kid they looked exactly the same i mean i can tell the difference now but they're not really that different if you compare them to like Ultraman and Ultra 7, so like I would have thought if they were worried about toys, they would really, really drastically redesign them, like say Ultraman Ace or something like that, as opposed mm -hmm. to just they put gloves on them and boots and kind of change the pinstriping, I guess, but they're not really that different, I don't think. No, uh, I've, I've joked with, you know, friends that, you know, there should be a hazing ritual um, for newbie Ultraman fans where they gotta pick out the differences between Ultraman and Jack. <laughs> but uh you know so he was it was originally conceived as two separate not conceived it was actually when they started principal photography it was actually already determined that he was actually a separate Ultraman because it seemed like that didn't come along until seven and the actual original Ultraman show up later in the series yeah from what I've heard um he was called new Ultraman or Chin Ultraman or Shin Man uh in various like promotional magazines and merchandise like they were really playing up that this is a new guy versus um versus the original that came back although personally the way i kind of like to view the show in my own way is that if you watch it you should pretend that it's ultraman until that one episode if you know what i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> yep um and that's the other thing too is i don't think they when they first started it i don't think they thought of seven being in that continuity because you know Connor was talking about the synopsis of it being set 30 years in the future, and and the one I read said that there had been no monsters on Earth since the original Ultraman had appeared. So that kind of tells me that that deciding to throw Seven in there was kind of a last minute decision. Well, I Seven think. wasn't even conceived as a sequel to Ultraman or Ultra Q when it came out. That was largely you know retconned, and I think Ace is the one that really 
is the first one that is really concrete about being like, no, this is all in the same thing. Because uh, even even in yeah, return, um, even in return, it's very loose. Mm-hmm. So, like, what happened from what I recall is um, Seven was conceived as its own thing, and uh, isn't Seven supposed to take place in the eighties or something? I've I've heard that, but but I haven't been able to find any concrete information about it. I also know in what like one source I have tells me that the clock you see in the night episode nightmare on the fourth planet that lists the date as 2000 is supposed to indicate that this show takes place in the year 2000. But, you know, so, you know, when the Ultraman shows are set they're just, to me, they're kind of a vague far off yet not too distant future. Um, but anyways, from, from what I recall, uh, seven was meant to be its own, its own thing. But there were some magazines at the time that, you know, mentioned, oh yeah, Seven and Ultraman are from the same planet and they're friends. Uh, Ultopia goes on to talk about that a little bit. And then they brought Seven in for ratings. And then, again, like you said, by the time of Ace, it was like, okay, we're bringing everyone back. This is the same continuity now. You know, shit's getting real. But, you know, up until then, all these shows were just kind of like their own separate thing. It wasn't until Return of Ultraman that would really just kind of start building the pieces of this larger interconnected universe that all these shows inhabit. So, um, before we get into like what the show that we were given is, is there anything else about, you know, how it was conceived that is, uh, is relevant or drastically different from what we got? No, I I would add that show. Uh, what was his name? Sh- Uhara. What was Uhara's first name? Show. Uh, Shozo. Yeah, Shozo. Shozo Uhara. I think it's interesting to note he was working on developing Cayman Rider. So Return of Ultraman and Cayman Rider both started in 1969, and they both took until 1971 to finally get shot. But I guess Uhara was working on Cayman Rider at the same time, and he eventually left Cayman Rider to go work on. Return of Ultraman full time, which is just I think is interesting. Um, did he leave in the middle of Common Rider, or did he leave like earlier than that? I'm like Connor. I'm getting this from like a, a kind of a jumbled <laughs> Japan Wikipedia page, and it <laughs> seems I, I it seemed like to me he left before Kamen Rider actually started shooting, but he just kind of helped develop okay. those uh those initial concepts for common Ka- writer he was probably like how many episodes are we doing i uh, no thanks <laughs> um <laughs> that's fair <laughs> come on 98 episodes ain't that bad i got that done in a month um oh my god uh no i mean uh as much as i enjoy these shows like even the 50 some episode it's it's grueling um <laughs> So, okay, uh, I guess I'll, I'll uh, kind of summarize, I guess, kind of the pilot and the setup for Return of Ultraman, and then we'll, we'll kind of, you know, talk about uh, uh, <clears throat> our favorite episodes and least favorite and all that good stuff. So, we follow, uh, what is he, a mechanic? Yeah, he's a he's a car mechanic. Yes, Hideki Go, the, the Sakata Garage. Yes, he's a mechanic uh, with his friends uh, 
the Sakatas. He has uh, Ken and Jiro, who are brothers, and their sister Aki, who is his girlfriend. And one day, uh, there is uh, the monster Takong battling some green thing. Uh, and in the ensuing kaiju attack, uh, he saves a little boy and his dog. And uh, he, he gives the boy his dog back. And the boy is like, oh, thanks for saving me. Okay, bye. And then he just leaves, uh, go there to presumably die under a bunch of rubble um, without alerting the authorities that there's a man uh, crushed under, under heavy um, concrete. Um, so because that kid sucks, uh, I, I, I guess... Um, Ultraman Jack, for whatever reason, was watching the events transpire, and he does the the thing. Uh, I guess that the same thing the first Ultraman did, basically. Um, and he's like, "To save you, I will merge my life force with yours." Um, and he likes him because he he died a hero. Uh, meanwhile, uh, uh, as he is dying in the hospital, the Sakatas are are. Uh, are burning and in uh, in eulogy, the uh, hot rod or whatever that they built together. Um, and then Ultraman Jack visits him in the hospital, and he's like, "I we're we're one now. You may live." <clears throat> and then so he he comes back and uh, and the, he's like, "Hey, yeah, well, I'm I'm alive. How how's our race car?" And the cicadas are like, "Oh, whoops." Um, and then. Uh, he, from there, that's, that's our setup. He joins the monster attack team, um, who I always wonder, cause like, especially in this first episode, there's, with the, the opening seconds, there's two monsters fighting. And, uh, I always wonder if any of these, um, kaiju defense teams are any good at their jobs without an Ultraman around. Like, what was life before that Ultraman came, did, like, did monsters just win all the time? I don't know. Anyway, um, so he is recruited, and uh, we have uh, uh, kind of, um, and this this kind of gets into Kyle Yount's question a little bit, and maybe I'm, I'm jumping the gun, but uh, we get into uh, vague, uh, the, the sort of boring... Um, uh, cast of fellow uh, monster defenders. Um, we have uh, Oka, Kashida, Ueno, and um, uh, Minami, and then Minami. yeah, and then there's a uh, captain, first captain and second captain. I don't remember their names, um, and they're very captainy. And we uh, we. Follow them, and and then it goes by the the typical Ultraman formula, where either an alien or a monster um, uh, is discovered or is rampaging, and uh, they fight. And Ultraman always saves his like only useful weapons till the very last second. Color timer he still has, so he can only be Ultraman for a few minutes. Um, and uh yeah that that that's the show i think uh we get into some things like he gets uh some a weapon bracelet that i i, I i'm going to be honest i hated um because it pretty much just does anything um 
literally anything. <laughs> it's, 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 it's kind of ridiculous what it's able to do. Like, if I was going to just say, oh, yeah, it could become a whip. It can blow up a planet. Uh, if he's frozen and shattered, it can put him back together. It can become um, a, a cross that's also a spear, and he can throw things, like, yeah. stab and impale monsters with it. One, like, it's, it, it's just... It's, you know, the fight's over when he pulls that out. Yeah. One angle I do like you, about... You Oh, go ahead. Uh, you wonder why he just doesn't, you know, whip that at the first second, you know, the monster shows up, but, you know, yeah. otherwise we won't have a show. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, uh, another thing, an angle that I like, and I, I don't think it's used to the best effect, is it establishes right away that um, Jack will only merge with him if there is absolutely no other option. Um and uh sometimes the show forgets about that <laughs> but uh but it is a, it, it, it isn't a nice way around i guess the kind of like why doesn't he just turn into ultraman uh, immediately you know it, it so because of that where we are offered times where you know i think there's only a couple times where jack says like uh no like figure this out by yourself before you bother me um I think that could have been used to more dramatic effect, uh, but it is it is an interesting angle, and um, uh, I like that you know they're saying right away like this isn't really going to work the way that you're used to. Um, so that that's another new uh, addition that that I like as well. So. Um, yeah, I, I I think uh usually when we do series we kind of break down um you know characters and favorite episodes and monsters and and whatnot. But um yeah, what what did oh just overall what are your feelings on on this series? Well, um I will I will just come out and say it. This is probably one of my favorite Ultraman shows. Uh, it's it's definitely not a perfect show by far. There's a lot of stuff about it that I find really rough. There's, you know, definitely a growing period and I think the last 13 episodes can be really hit or miss, but I think overall I really really like the show. Like there's a lot of really cool iconic episodes. Um, I think Jiro Dan does a really good performance as Hideki Go. You got Shin Kashida in it. As, as Ken Sakata, which is great. He even gets to write an episode, which is one of the best episodes of the show. You got some cool monster designs. Like, this this show delivers on all sorts of fronts. And I think a lot of Ultraman's DNA, um, you know, as we know the franchise now, can be traced back to this show in particular, which I might get into in a bit. But, yeah, like, for me, it's it's right up there right after the original show in terms of my, my favorites. Okay. Which episode did uh, Shin Kishida write? I don't remember offhand. He wrote uh, Atrocious Light Monster Prisma, which was episode... Oh, yeah. Yep, yeah. Rules. yeah. He he wrote that episode. Um, apparently, he was in a sci-fi club, and he was, you know, he was inspired by Lovecraft's uh, Color Out of Space and At the Mountains of Madness, as well as a uh, another story that wasn't Lovecraft. I believe it was... Uh, jg ballard's the crystal world um for that episode and it comes across as being really unique and genuinely eerie uh compared to a lot of the other episodes in this series 
I imagine people know this who are listening to our show now, but he, uh, Shin Kishida played Nambara from Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, but also the uh, Bloodthirsty trilogy, the Dracula films that Toho produced. He was in those. Uh, he's just all around pretty awesome in this show. Now, did he also design Prisma? Uh, no, he didn't design Prisma. Prisma was done by uh, Akio Iguchi, who did a lot of the other um, monsters. In fact, I have... For you guys, the original design drawing by Yaguchi for Prisma, if you want me to send it to you really quick. Yeah, sure. Okay, it's so... It's um, very unlike the... Uh, hmm. Yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the Ultra Wiki says that he designed Prisma, but it also it doesn't say anything about him writing it, so... Yeah, the, the Ultra Wiki... Um, tread lightly there, there's... there's, there's quite a few inaccurate pieces I'm assuming of yeah there. it's like a lot of the a lot of wikis right um yeah okay yeah that is probably more interesting than the creature we got um this one is more uh I don't know more uh, humanoid's not well, the he word actually has but, a face. yeah he has legs <laughs> yeah, he has a face anthropomorphic yeah yeah, yeah. I like I do like that Prisma design, um, the original one. I uh, I'm kind of glad we got the one we got because it's it's so different and weird compared to any other Ultraman kaiju. Um, I do I do wish the the original version did get used. It was going to be used for Mirror Man for the monster Colden, but uh, hmm. that got scrapped too. So you know this guy unfortunately will never see the light of day probably. Hmm. Um. Another thing that uh, I noticed, and I don't know if it makes any difference or maybe if it has something to do with what I said about how, you know, visually this one's a little bit more dynamic. There's no Subarayas in the director's chair for any of these for the first time. Is that accurate? I believe so. Um... So do you think that that, like, I, I have the, like, booklet and stuff right in front of me. Um do you think that that accounts for anything, maybe? I mean, uh, do you think that... Uh, is it, can you tell the difference there at all? Or is that kind of just a superficial concern? No, I, I, I can tell the difference in there. Um, to me, I've, I've always felt Return of Ultraman, uh, that sort of feeling to it, it feels a little more dynamic and grounded compared to, you know... Ultraman and Ultra Seven, and you know, uh, like when you watch the show, I I don't feel like I'm really watching a a fantasy show, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm watching something a little more akin to a, a Toho monster movie. Um, it like, is also you know, it, they're, they're of the same genre, but there's there's different feels to that. Yeah. Of course. It is worth mentioning that uh, in addition to Honda, we had a uh, Shu Matsubayashi. Uh, he did episodes forty nine and fifty. Um, and for people that don't know the name, he directed The Last War for Toho. Uh, he did a lot of war films just in general. Um, so, yeah, it's and from what I understand, it doesn't sound like he did any other, like, kaiju TV shows or anything. So it's interesting that they got, uh, they got him on board, too. Um, I know at this point we're in the 70s where, uh, you know, a lot of directors are probably hurting for work, too. Yeah. Um, all right, so, uh, I guess at this point, 
Matt, it's been so long since we've reviewed a series. How do we usually do this? Um, do, do you want to, I mean, we can I mean, do we, uh, um, kind of the episodes that we all feel like are, are highlights and kind of break them down, like, you know, just go through the, the four of us um, if you want, or, um, you know, if there's any... I think one thing we should talk about are some of the, that maybe the characterizations, because, like... There's some stuff in here, especially with Go and his relationship to other people. That's it's, it's uh, well, it's no, uh, okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, we'll before we get into episodes, yeah, we'll we'll talk about characters, and this is going to tie in again to to Kyle Young's question. Um, it's interesting because, well, I guess I didn't really answer my own question. I really like this show. Um, I think overall, I think. I think this show and the first Ultraman are about on par with me uh, in terms of how much I like them. I don't know that I could pick one or the other, really. Uh, I might lean towards the first one because, as I've said, I the longer these series are, the just more... just It doesn't work for me, you know? Uh, so I will say um, of the shows so far... Just evaluating this show and the ones before it, um, just in general, this honestly does probably have my least favorite cast of characters. Um, I I do like that we see more of our main hero outside of work. You know, you see him with his friends, his girlfriend. I really like that aspect. I don't really think many of them are that interesting. I think maybe the best character is probably Ken, and I like both of the captains. And Minami's okay. Everyone else is just really very <laughs> boring to me. Um, Jiro's better than the kid in the first Ultraman series that got written out of the show, that's for sure. But he's still not... I don't know. He 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 serves as a distraction in the storytelling for me more than, you know, I would like. Um, but yeah, I, I really... I So to answer Kyle's question, I'm, I'm not... In very invested in these people before or after <laughs> the uh, the incident. Um, I think everyone is kind of <laughs> boring. I I think Go is uh, I, I, he's not. It's not so much that he's a poorly written or developed character, but I really I I don't like him very much. Um, I don't think he's good at his job. Uh, he's constantly messing up. Yep. He probably should have been fired a million times over. Um, there's one episode in particular where, like, he's late to work, and then, like, he... I don't know, he does, like, seven stupid things in the first five minutes. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't like him. Um, I, I don't like his relationship with really anyone, but his girlfriend especially, you know, he, and I know that we're, we're looking at things in a, a, the, through the lens of 2020, so we're not only near, what, 40 years removed from the show, but we're also in another country and in another culture, so I, I get it, but, you know, I, I think in general, I mean, like, he hits his girlfriend, he, do, he doesn't really... He doesn't. He doesn't really do much to apologize. Um, he <laughs> he asked her. Uh, one of the lines is like, "He's he's like, are you still mad at me for hitting you?" <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's 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 a little bit in the show that has not aged well. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't. 
I mean, I you, whether whether those things were acceptable in that time period in that culture or not, it's still fucked up, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I mean, uh, and, and and I just I I find him to be very. I don't know. He he's I Hayat as as boring of a guy as Hayata is. I felt like he was a more genuine character, and and of of the three so far, Dan is my favorite. Um, but yeah, I, I don't like him very much, and um, you know he hits Jiro too, the kid. Um, yeah. And he, you know, he's he he really. Sometimes he takes responsibility for his actions, but a lot of the time he he tries to blame other people. Um, I just think he's kind of a shithead. I I don't know. I don't like him very much. What can I say? (laughs) Before I before I answer uh, the question as well, I'm going to pivot to John because I feel like he's either dead or off the call. (laughs) John, are you right? (laughs) Yeah. No, I just felt like I talked so much earlier. I better let you guys talk. What's your initial just takeaways from the show? Well, as as Bird will tell you, and, and you as well, I, I really have odd tastes when it comes to Ultraman, because I, I don't really get into Ultra Q. I don't really like Ultraman, the original series, that much. Ultra 7 I like a little better. You suck. Uh, up until Return of Ultraman, <laughs> up until Return, my favorite series was actually Ultraman Taro, if that tells you anything. And I really Your like choice? Ultraman Leo. Um, so. Thank you. I see. I tend to like the the stuff as it progressed. Um, to me, Ultraman, Ultra Q, they were all too simple, and I didn't really connect with those characters at all. They were just kind of like to me, ciphers just to watch the monsters fight and all that. So, Return of Ultraman, you know, I can see now is the first one again where, like, like we're all talking about, they focus on the personal life of the character when he's not working for Monster Attack Team or Science Patrol. So I think that's why I, I enjoyed Return of Ultraman so much more than the previous three series, and it it actually might be my favorite out of all of them. I'm not sure. So I feel like to answer the question on my end, I have to set a bit of a stage. So I watched the entire series with my son, who's six, and as we're watching the show, on multiple occasions, he looks at me and he says, hey, Dad, why is he hitting people? And he's talking about no. <laughs> And it's weird to see, like, to, to have he's an asshole. Child have that reaction. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like you're, you're seeing this through your son, like, oh, crap, I have to figure out a way to explain this to my son. And I think the characters, especially Go, I think Bird, you're right, he's a, he's a total shithead. Uh, the way that he treats Aki, like, I can't imagine, like, she throws herself at him constantly and, like, buys him gifts, and he never does anything for her for the most part. (laughs) Isn't there... Um, um... And then, of course, like, the whole thing where... Oh, go ahead. It's an episode about, like, she's going to go buy him a watch or something. Oh, that's the the infamous episode. That's that's the one we'll get to in a minute. That's... uh... Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. But I think the way... There's a couple episodes that I found really troubling from the character standpoint, especially in their interactions with women. Like, there's an episode where there's a... This guy who's obviously in kind of a controlling, abusive relationship with the girlfriend. The girlfriend leaves him. The guy actually becomes a criminal. He abducts her at gunpoint, no less. Um, and then at the end of it, she like forgives him and acts like she was still in love with him. It's just really messed up from start to finish. And those are the kind of things that I hate about this show. And at the same point, I think there's a certain just inalienable charm to everything 
about the show as well. So like, it's so weird because I find myself at times really liking Go, and at times I wish he would just get like run over by a car. But we'll save that for. It's a funny you mentioned the the one with the 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 criminal guy because like that didn't even register on the list for me i mean i i agree with you there's problematic stuff in there but like on the list of problematic items in this show it i don't know if that even cracks my top five (laughs) um i mean i we i will we'll get into that but uh um somebody just talked about the two episode part just let's just let's just dive right in i feel like there's no there's no time but now i just Well, Well, I don't know. I I feel like my, well, I don't know. It it seemed like in the little conversation we've had, it seemed like Connor was kind of more in my corner here. Um, So I don't know. I don't know who should go first here, (laughs) really. Well, if if I may. Um, So I'm going to say if you're going to be watching the show, I would recommend uh, maybe skipping this part of the podcast. Um, yeah, it's, this, it's is, very, this is heavy spoiler. And very heavy spoiler. Yeah. Um, so if you if you do not want to be surprised, if you want to be surprised, please, please skip this part. If you don't give a shit, just listen. But uh, there's there's an episode, uh, a pair of episodes, actually, that it's a remake of uh, the Ultra 7 assassination plan, the episode where they crucify Ultra 7. And... Uh, the villains here are the are the alien knackle and their monster black king and they're like okay we're we're going to we're defeat ultraman jack we're going to analyze all of his weaknesses by releasing our army of stock footage and then we're going to power up black king so you know they do that and then instead of just you know going to the fight like in the ultra 7 episode they decide okay what else could we do so they they kill off go's girlfriend and his best friend uh, the cicadas by running them over and you know those characters die you know ultraman jack is too too upset to fight and then they crucify him and there's there's a couple other stuff that happens in the second part but what happens after that episode is there's a bit of a shift in terms of tone and uh and style of the show cuz now the show after after this uh pair of episodes goes into more alien themed plots yeah. like Ultra 7, yeah. but they're, they're not as clever, unfortunately, outside of a few exceptions. But this this is like the one episode that, uh, one pair of episodes that Return of Ultraman is very infamous for, um, for a w- wide variety of reasons, good or bad. So I want to say, like, it's not just that they get run over by a car. They get run over by the car, and the car drags the fucking body in the street. Yeah, it is <laughs> that's like, what got me. It was it, graphic. It is, it's not... It was, it's so like inexplicable. And I think it, me and Landon were watching it, and Sarah looks at me and she goes, What the crap just happened? And it's like, <laughs> it's it's a kid show, and it's it's just really weird. It's it's very, I mean, it is just. Mean. Well, it's like, for it Japanese kids, it's and not it, for American kids. It, it doesn't you know, I, I, I do think that, it, I, do th- I do think it's important to make the distinction here because culturally. Japanese children's entertainment oh, yeah, not, is yeah. much different from here in terms of how far yeah, it's yeah. willing to go. Devilman was published in a children's <laughs> magazine. <laughs> well, that's insane to think about, but I, I do think it's important to say, like, 
you're, as you watch this happen, I was actually okay with 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 that happening because I'm like, hey, the show's taking a huge risk here. I want to see what the repercussions are. I want to see how the characters handle this. And then they kind of just like forget about it in many ways. They basically re- re- replace Aki with another female character. And I will disagree there. Is platonic. No, hold on. They, they replace it with the girl that's platonic, but the end of that two-parter series has the most they, awkward stare yeah, I have ever witnessed. They, they hinted at it being like romantic. romantic. Hold on. It does. Which, which feels, I think, really trashy. That's the one part of the episode I don't like. It's also on Christmas, too, if I'm not mistaken. It's not a it Christmas is, yeah, episode. It is. Yeah, it was Christmas. <laughs> it is the first ever Christmas special. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know that I agree, though, about that ending. Because after everyone said that, I, I watched it a few more times. Specifically... Why, why would you... <laughs> No, just that ending. I, I watched it a few more times, specifically paying attention to things like the cutting and the lighting, and and you know the. It's basically a series of reaction shots. So, so kind of seeing how everyone is reacting to one another, and I, I'm not saying that what your take, you guys is take is in is isn't a valid one, but I I don't I I don't think that's what the show was in trying to convey because we we go from constant cuts between go the christmas tree the girl and jiro and the the constant in the the intercutting of jiro into that sequence um and go looking at them decorating the tree and smiling to me conveyed more of he's happy that he has a home he's happy that he's not an I mean, he, he's technically he's by he's an orphan, but he's not alone. He has a caretaker. Um, so for me, it was never really about any kind of attraction between them. Um, and I don't know. That's just how I felt about it. And especially since that character is really only used when needed throughout the rest of the series. You know, I can't for sure say that there's really any I any perceived hints of attraction. But again, that's that's my read on on the whole thing. That's 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 not a bad reading on that. I, I might have to rewatch that episode in mind with uh, with that because it might change my perception and, um, of the ending. And it's, for it's, the longest time, I yeah, it just I don't I, know. Uh, maybe view it with that kind of lens and, and see see if that explanation works for you. I mean, if it doesn't, you know, you tried. But that's kind of what I was getting out of it. I, I I felt like it was more a moment about Jiro than it was about go um yeah now uh but i and and i but i will say you know after hearing so much about these episodes not just from you guys and since this set came out uh but for years you know anytime the show came up everyone refers to this this event and so i i was really kind of sitting down and getting ready to okay this is probably going to be a little uncomfortable and I, I never really, I don't know, I, I, I never felt offended by it or anything like that. I mean, now between the four of us, and I honestly don't know about the three of the rest of you guys, but I grew up reading American superhero comics. Uh, I mean, this is something that happens in, to every superhero <laughs> at some point, uh, whether it's, yeah. you know, Batman or... Uh, I mean, obviously, Gwen Stacy, probably Spider-Man, you know, being the, the mm-hmm. biggest example. And, and just the talk of it 
really led me to believe, okay, we're going to see the girlfriend get fridged. And while I, I don't know that I would call it a complete fridging because uh, uh, the male best friend dies as well, that's what I wasn't expecting. I was like, okay, the girlfriend's going to die. And, and they do the thing every show does, you know, Walking Dead, whatever, you know, this character you haven't thought about in 20 episodes is suddenly featured prominently, and <laughs> you're like, okay, well, this is the one that's going to die. Um, so so Ken uh, getting killed along with her was actually a genuine surprise to me. And in a way, it kind of made it, I don't want to say better, but it, it really kind of made it feel less like... You know the typical, the yeah the the fridging of the girlfriend trope. I mean, it's maybe a variation on it, but I'm I'm hesitant to call it that because we we lose uh, a male and a female character, and it it's a a version of that because it is done to progress the the hero. But I I and especially because I had a different kind of read on you know the the ending. I never really found it to be much of a sexist thing. Now, if you want me to, to hear me talk about sexism in this series, I'm I'm I have another rant for another moment in this podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I mean, um, I really liked that two-parter. I didn't find it as mean-spirited or depressing as other people. It was just like, oh, this is where our hero loses people important to him, like that. You know, uh, our our superheroes here have that happen every five minutes. So it was just a thing. You know, I mean, it's Robin getting killed for the seventieth time. I th- I think though that the the thing that was most disappointing about it is everything after because you have this really you have a a great not moment but like this really pivotal moment in the series, and then like they basically just kind of forget that it's even there and they just kind of go about their business and nobody seems really that famous. There is, there's like a most frustrating. I see where you're uh, you're coming from, but junior there's, yeah, the, uh, we see it more. Yeah. yeah, We, we see it more reflect trauma in the beginning. Yeah. We we see it more reflect on Jiro, uh, especially, yeah, the, the Baltan junior, where like he's hearing he's hearing their voices and he's seeing things and I I think that episode in general is I I it probably doesn't do it well <laughs> but I think that episode was kind it of tries, yeah yeah <laughs> I think that episode was this show's attempt to kind of have people reconcile it and I I think I think it was it's more a shame it didn't appear in a, in a, in a better episode like yeah. the one with Kodai Gone or something but and 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 I you know, I don't I'll, know I'll take what I yeah, and Jiro obviously being like the child is going to have the most trauma from it, but I I I would have liked to see it explored more with with Go as well. Um you know, and there's it, that the stuff with Jiro continues a little bit because you know, there's the whole thing about um wanting Go and Rumiko to be like his his new brother and sister and you know, there's a couple episodes that kind of bring that up in passing, but yeah, it, it could have been done. It, it wasn't done justice very well. Yeah, and as to why it was done, it was a behind-the-scenes thing where the actress that played Aki had a, a scheduling conflict and could yeah, no longer she, do the series. She was gonna get. Yeah. She got a role in the TV drama Anxious Bride, and uh, 
for some reason they thought, well, if we can't use her, let's just kill her. <laughs> yeah, they could have like sent her off to school or something, I guess. But um, <laughs> yeah. Do, do you well, know Connor why they killed Shin Kashida though? Because I I don't know what he had going on that couldn't you know that he couldn't stay on the show. I'm not sure actually. Um, like I know we were aware of what happened with Aki's actress uh, Rumi Sakai Bara, but um, Shin Kashida though like. I'm not sure because he would continue to appear uh, on these shows as like a narrator or in, you know, the case of fireman as a principal character. Um, I guess my thought is uh, what happened is um, if you look at those final 13 episodes, there's definitely a drop in budget. So I guess they thought, well, you know, if we need to clear out the budget, we might as well get rid of Shin Kashida if we're killing her Mm, too. Yeah. Which happens uh, to a much more extreme degree in Ultraman Leo, but that's, That'll be a show for another time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did, he oh, did appear yeah. in Lake of Dracula in 71, but I don't know exactly when that was filmed. I, I looked into that because I thought maybe he left to film that, and I think the dates didn't add up. I think he had already shot it, So, but I thought of that too, Matt. Yeah. Well, Connor, you said something else interesting I wanted to touch upon, which was as the series progressed, it was more about aliens. Yeah. And, and I read that they did a survey... Uh, amongst Japanese school children and apparently they asked for more aliens and that's why they did it. So yeah. That's, that's, that's basically what happened. Um, so the, when they wanted that ratings boost, they threw in that Bemstar episode and that was really popular. So then they decided to do, okay, let's do, uh, let's do more space monsters. And then it, it just got to the point where, you know, the ratings they needed aliens so they you know they threw in more aliens and that's why you know balton jr and zedden show up because those were recognizable characters uh your mileage may vary to how well they succeeded i i don't think they succeeded quite as well as they'd hoped but i do think there's some good episodes in in that final batch uh as few as there there are yeah, you know, everyone was kind of like oh it starts to suck after this and then i was like uh eh, you know i mean there's a couple meh episodes but there were a lot that i really liked too mm-hmm. what was the deal with the um the snow episodes there's there's so like a there's something else behind that correct there's like because there's a two it's not really two-parter but there's two specific like winter horror stories that ha- that happen after that the back half of the, the series well uh you see there are in some of the other 70s ultra shows like ace and uh and leo i believe there are some more winter of horror episodes. I know Leo has a summer of horror episodes too. So I guess what they were trying to do is, was, was just do some theming going on, um, which, you know, carries over in some of the other shows. Uh, they don't really work quite as well as I think. I think we should have just gotten one snow monster episode instead of the two we got, but <laughs> even don't, don't e- like the abominable snowman that looks nothing like a snowman, <laughs> even um, watching, I've got, some, I've got some opinions about both of them. <laughs> even which, watching uh, those two episodes, that. like last week, like, they blend together. Like I can't even. Dif- I can't. I <laughs> I can barely differentiate. Like it's hard hard enough to keep track of what episodes what already. But yeah, I don't know. Those two didn't do too much uh, for me. It was interesting to see kind of a a variation on the 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 kind of snow woman yokai tale. But you know. But I, I gotta ask Connor though. Like, how do you? Yeah. How do you? How do you remember? Uh, like, if I go back... Look, okay, I got the booklet. I tr- Just bear with me. Let's take five seconds. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. episode four, King Saurus 3. 
I remember the monster. Yeah. I couldn't tell you the damnedest thing about what that episode's about. How, how do you remember, <laughs> like, what's what? <laughs> I, I I couldn't do well, it. I, uh... I guess for me, and this is this is kind of interesting because like there's some tokusatsu shows I've seen like uh, some various common writer and Sentai entries where you'll be like, all right, what what happens in this monsters episode? And I'd be like, well, I don't know, dude. <laughs> I saw it, but I can't remember it. Um, I I guess it just kind of comes down to uh, I I feel like the Ultraman shows for the most part stand out from their contemporaries because they don't, you know, even I'd say like a show like Leo and I like Leo just to clarify, I really like Leo. Um, but it's, it's pretty dire when it comes to special, you know, the budget and everything, but it still feels relatively more cinematic compared to like your other, uh, to your other tokusatsu shows that are out there. So I, I feel like, um, with these kinds of shows like Ultraman, uh, it's, it's a little easier to get into and remember like the nitty gritty details versus, I don't know. I saw I saw Common Rider X five years ago, and if you held a gun to my head saying, "Hey, can you can you tell me what happens in episode thirteen of Common Rider X?" I'd just, be, I'd just be like, "Dude, just tell my family I love them." Because <laughs> <laughs> brought up uh, I mean, three. I, I, we know, oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just gonna kind of put a go bird. I was just gonna kind of put a a pin in that by saying, like, I at this point I've watched uh Q through return i've watched most of max um i've watched zone fighter i've watched a good deal of common rider black and like especially like the further in time i get from watching them like each show just everything blends together with like a few standout yeah. episodes oh. and it's i mean i guess that's fine but it's just like i i really don't know how you remember so much about this stuff. Um, but Matt, yes. Um, I, I also think uh, for me, uh, at the very least, compared like with Ultraman compared to like your Common uh, Rider, Sentai, or Metal Hero shows or whatever else, rather than just being like, okay, this is another story about Ultraman versus, you know, this bad dude who's doing a bad thing and has this disposable henchman, it's more like, okay, this specific monster with its own specific backstory and, you know, motivation as simple as they may be, um, which in my opinion helps with the cinematic feel like the monsters just don't feel like they're, they're flunkies that are being thrown out uh, every week to be massacred. I mean, they are, but they, uh, they feel like, you know, they're the commanding presence in that sort of episode, which I think helps, but I think uh, a good way, again, your mileage may be. Yeah, I, I think a good way for someone like me to judge a show's success is like once I'm at the stage where everything is like blending into one memory, how many standouts can I pick of like the best of the best? So like ultra seven out of all of them probably blends together the most, but there's so many episodes mm -hmm. that I can pick out as like, this is the best this franchise has to offer that would keep me from putting it at like, Oh, it sucks. It's all the same. Even though yeah. that one blends together more than the others for me. So I have a, I have a trivia question for either uh, Connor or John. And I, I think, I think Connor, you answered this in our, in our Facebook chat, but like King Soros three, there ain't no King Soros one and two. So how did they come up with the three of them? Um, so from what I recall, they basically decided to name King Soros three because he's the first He's the third King monster, not counting King Joe, because I guess he's a robot. Because there was Red King and Ultraman, 
and then Ella King in uh, Ultra Seven, and we don't care about King Joe because he's a robot. So <laughs> that's, that's the where, stupidest that's where the answer. Right? That that's <laughs> that, just that, the that worst is. answer. <laughs> I know. Uh, well, that's what I heard too. Yeah. I know Ultraman Orb uh, in the backstory in the lore for that show. There's a monster named King Saurus Four, or I think maybe even King Saurus Two. I'd have to check, but you know, someone tried to make uh, it. You know, not it's just stupid. Yeah. Yes. I, I guess if we want to, you know, pretend we're in the world of the show, I guess Matt maybe had to deal with two other King Sauruses in the past, but that's <laughs> that's getting into fan fiction. Um. Well, as for some more trivia, I guess the the original conception of King Saurus was he was a monster created by Atlantis. But then they they I don't know why they didn't go with that, but they changed his origin for the show. But that was the original plan. Huh. Yeah, um, I'm not sure why they didn't do that. I I think it would have been really interesting. But are there any uh, more weird? Because I, I recall origins for these things. Oh, go on. Um, let's see. What what kind of weird origins do we got? Um, well, I do see that Tacon, Kingsaurus, and Earthtron were all designed in advance for, like, pre-sales. Yeah, they were designed by uh, Noriyoshi Ikea, who did the, uh, who did the monster designs for the last part of Ultra 7. Like, he did specifically, like, Guts, Pandon, uh, the Ghost Aliens... He also did a monster that uh, that didn't appear in the show. It's like this big scrap dinosaur thing. I I have a book not to that you know covers the Showa era Ultraman concept art. And I recall when I got to the Return of Ultraman section, there was that monster, and I was like, "Who the hell is this guy?" And apparently, according to the Ultopia guy, that design got recycled. Not for any Ultraman show, but it got reused when IKEA went on to design the monsters in Silver Common. Um, which I always found kind of interesting because you don't really see good uh, something like that. I was gonna say um, the um, the the alien with the virus. Uh, what what's his name? Yam Yama. Yeah. Oh, Yamatranse. Yeah, that. Yeah, I I I, uh, I I read that his suit was uh, a modified suit for a monster that Subaraya made for a vacuum cleaner commercial or something. Yeah, that uh, yeah, they, hmm. the the Hayabusa. I believe I just butchered the pronunciation for that for that vacuum cleaner commercial, but it's it's on YouTube, and they reused the uh, the suit for the monster Gomira, who was this big kind of dust bunny monster with like big suckers that shot out dust on him. It's a it's it's a pretty good suit for you know a ten second appearance in a commercial, but uh, yeah, they they recycled that for that. Um, what other fun? tidbits do we got well i believe i've mentioned in the uh in the chat before that that one of the snow monsters uh bardock was supposed to be a yeti and then they changed to that weird kind of testicle headed looking bird dude (laughs) but the script (laughs) still refers to it as a yeti (laughs) it's it's really bizarre and i i kind of appreciate that they decided not to go you know, with a really obvious route for such a character, but at the same time, it's like you call him a yeti in the script. You should have just went with yeti. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's. I haven't been able to find too much uh, crazy stuff in terms of origins for um, for these characters um, uh, compared to you know 
because like the monsters in Q through seven are really well documented, whereas yeah. the ones here onward get a little uh, murkier. Uh, the, I, I know Vacuum on the uh, the planet. Oh, go on. Oh, I, I was just gonna say, um, just to kind of piggyback off of this, this is the point in the franchise where where, where each series is producing less and less iconic monsters. Yeah, like uh, there's there's quite a few iconic ones in Return, and then you get some in Ace, and then you know it slowly trickles out in Taro, and then you get like two in Leo, and then it's just kind of like uh, characters that you know aren't really well remembered, and then we get to Tiga, and it kind of restarts again before you know we get to the point where it's like, well, we gotta we gotta use the Showa ones again because that's the ones you know those are the ones that people remember. But. Uh, I, I do think it's worth mentioning, like, if we're talking trivia and, and just random facts, like, one of the more well-known things is that um, episode 34 was written by Shinichiro Kobayashi, which is basically kind of the first story treatment for what would be reused for Godzilla versus Biolancy, the idea mm-hmm. of, like, this scientist creating, uh, combining plants and humans and creating a monster. Um, yeah. Also, Sugiyama, the composer for Biolancy, actually scored Return of Ultraman. Also, uh, as another little bit of piece of that um from what i recall uh one of the monster designers the yoshikai yonea who did the uh the design for the monster in that episode that's basically a biolanti pre-make uh the leogon episode he actually he actually did um work on some of the biolanti designs for that film so it kind of came full circle there yeah um and and that episode really does also i guess repeat a lot of the beats of of Biolanti. Do they imply ever that he's trying to do something to resurrect a a loved one that died? I don't think they uh, do. In that episode? No, I don't no, think so. Yeah. They don't, he's, no. He's no, just no. a mad scientist. Yeah, but other than that, he is very much uh, Dr. Shiragami. Um, and I, Matt, me, Matt, and John uh, talked about that when we did our G Fest panel that uh, we put up as, as a podcast as well, um, there's there's a lot of similarities, um, but yeah, that that's also a key episode. Um, you know, uh, I I think that's one of the better ones of the uh, of the the run in where it, the kind of the middle run, you know, episodes in the yeah. in the thirties. I think that's that's one of the better ones in that that batch. Yeah. Um, that one was one of the, uh, as they call it, the autumn masterpiece episodes, which were the, the ones from the Zelen episode, which I believe was episode 31, episodes 31 through 35 for the autumn masterpiece series. And what does know, that I, mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> from, from what I, from what I've seen, it, it just seems like they put a lot of extra effort into that show. Um, I haven't been able to find too much information about the hows and the whys for that that portion of the show um but apparently they're they were really popular with fans uh i guess they were just trying to you know recapture some of that magic which i think they did a really good job you got a lot of really cool episodes in there yeah. like the monster user and the boy the the king my my episode the prisma episode we we've kept mentioning and uh one of my other favorites the zelon episode the first one of that batch where uh they actually you know the alien is able to figure out how to hijack the ultra bracelet and use that as a weapon that's a cool yeah it's a cool idea i feel like john you were going to add something about the uh violante 
tie in with Leo gone, but I, maybe I'm I'm wrong. You chimed in and then got talked over. No, no, <laughs> so, I, I was. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, thank you. This is something something new that I I learned that I think people will find interesting. Apparently, that uh, Kobayashi he actually submitted several episodes, and that was just the only one that they actually took. Oh, really? I actually, um, but there I were others. Yeah. Uh, he submitted a monster. I can't recall the name of the alien, but the monster design uh, was used for episode three of Mirror Man for the monster Darkron. But I'm I'm curious if there's any more information about the other stuff he may have submitted. So this is just my own wild speculation. But you know, the his Biolante story had that uh, uh, Dutalius the rat monster. Yeah, and you know, yeah. in Return of Ultraman, he fights Robo as the rat monster, and I, uh, Kobayashi has nothing to do with that episode. At least he's not credited. But I do kind of wonder if maybe that was one of his designs, and they used it, and he just never got credited. Um, from what I recall, the Robo design was done by, um, I believe, uh, maybe I think it was Yonea, but. It might have been it might have been a Gucci, who also did the design for uh, for Messi, that alien controlling him. But um, going back to Kobayashi, that guy was a huge Ultraman fan. Apparently, um, like he submitted like I believe a paper about Bolton, like an in depth research paper about Bolton. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he cribbed the idea at the very least. You know, unless that you know idea of a rat monster was you know passed down and then. Uh, altered by the art staff, yeah. which I think is equally likely. <laughs> Do we know anything about any episodes? Do you guys have any other... The other funny observation. Um, there's uh... a couple that weren't made. So apparently, um, there was so there's the uh, the unmade King Saurus episode. Where uh, you know he was created by Atlantis, and apparently there was an, another episode written by Akio Jisoji. Um, but I haven't been able to find too much information about that one. That episode title though is the Moon Fairy Tale. Hmm. John, did you ever stumble aside from you know? Yeah, I have. So I, I have something on that, but it doesn't say anything about the monster. What I got on that one, the only detail I got was something about a lunar car to be tested on the moon. And I don't know what happens after that, but that's all I have on that. Hmm. Might have been just a... Uh... Hmm. So uh, let's talk about what did get made. Um, <laughs> do you guys want to kind of go? Should we? You want to just kind of go around the room and talk about, um, you know, the episodes that stick out to us? We'll start with, I guess, favorites, and then we'll do the same thing with with least favorites. Yeah, sure. I think so, that's a good idea. So just, I mean, um, just maybe pick. Four, three to five episodes that just come to mind as is favorites and and kind of talk about them. Uh, well, for me, there's there's quite a bit. There's it's actually a little hard to choose what my favorite episodes are because I think there's so many in this show. But uh, I think first of all that opening two parter. I'm going to count it as one episode. Um, 
it's it's firing on all cylinders. It's a I think it's probably the best premiere episode of the entire franchise. Uh, you've got all this action in it. You, it establishes the characters really well, the setting, and you know Honda does a good job directing it. Um, I'd say number two for sure would be the uh, the Gudon and Twintail two parter. I've always How felt we that one. talked about that yet. I know <laughs> that one. That one is another really good two parter. It it again fires in all cylinders um, in terms of the cast and the drama, and that scene with the uh, with Ultraman being confronted by both Gudon and Twintail as his timer is beeping as the sun is setting. It's like one of those images that will be burned into your brain if you watch it. Like I've always felt that one is on that must-see list of Return of Ultraman episodes. Isn't it during um, that two-parter last... that... I gotta ask, isn't isn't it during that two-parter that Aki is like... She's like uh, telling Go, like, you promised like you'd do guitar lessons with me or something? And he's like, no, I'm too, like, busy. <laughs> and she's like, just for, like, a yeah, couple minutes? Yeah. And he's like, fine, God! And he's like, a dick about it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This explains to me why he had, like, no, he didn't really care after she died, because he was just... <laughs> I mean, I didn't either. I mean, uh, to be honest, I didn't either, because that was such a, like, nothing of a character. But, uh, <laughs> Connor, yes, you continue. What are, uh, throw um, out a couple more. I, it's, I, um, so I, I did those two. Let's go with two more, because otherwise I'll be here listing the entire series. Um, like, I love the Mo- Autumn Masterpiece episodes, but I think... I'd have to go with uh, the monster user and the boy. Um, I've always, I think that one is easily shows a Yuihara's um, uh, kind of magnum opus in terms of Tokusatsu TV, and so, it's so which, it's, a, which one it's is an episode that? that I've shown to people who don't know about Ultraman, and like they're you know they're able to get it, they're able to understand. Oh shit, you know, this is. It's a gut punch of an episode. Which one is like, that? It's, it's one of the... That's the one with uh, Marucci and Mates, the alien. Ah, okay. Uh, that's the really depressing racism one. Yes, that is... that uh, that That's... Um, I mean, I won't talk about... I won't bring that up in mind because you did. Uh, but yeah, that's a great episode. Uh, it also uh, has one of the biggest WTF moments where a dog randomly explodes. Uh a bullied child, uh, <laughs> uh, an alien explodes the the dog of the bullies, um, and, that, that and it's, not, it's not like gory. It it's really not like gory, but the dog explodes like if it was like a, a a monster in one of these shows. It's insane. Like styrofoam going everywhere. It's um, aside from that, like it's there's a couple others. Um, like the the Yamatoranse episode is pretty good one like that one's a pretty good comedy one um i think for me though uh as flawed as it can be in many aspects i do think that two-parter um with alien knackle that infamous two-parter we were just discussing is uh i think one of the more defining episodes of the show i've uh i went into the show completely blind it it floored me um (laughs) and there's that one scene in the second part you know like where those two characters show up, I'm, I'm not going to spoil it because I th- I went in unspoiled. I think uh, other people should in that aspect at least. And whenever I've shown other people that episode, regardless of how into Ultraman they are, uh, that second that first part, they're just like, oh my god, what's how are they going to get out of this? That was that was intense. And then 
every time I show them that second part when that scene happens, which we all know about, um, they cheer. Like it's it's a good it's a good I think kind of watch how other people react to this episode. And I think other than that, um, I've seen a lot of people say that it it feels tone tonally dissonant to the rest of the show. But like with the rest of the show, you got like. You know, Go being an orphan, you got the Gudon and Twintail two-parter, you got the, the Marucci and Mates episode, you got the one with, you know, again, the, the Leo Gun episode where Go's friend dies and it's depressing. Like, I, I think the show was kind of leading up to a moment like that. Yeah. So I don't feel like it's it's too uh, out of place. I liked it so because it... There's, there's a couple... It, because it, it actually... I actually felt like, like you said... I actually, I actually felt like there were stakes where, where things were, people were dying and things were happening. It wasn't just, it, oh, it's obvious he's going to come and save everybody and it's going to be happy, happily ever after. It, it felt like there was a, actually some tension there. So, so that's why I liked those. Mm-hmm. Um, just to respond to uh, one other one you mentioned. Cause I, I don't I don't want to like I don't think I don't I I would think between us we should try not to recycle the same picks, um, mm-hmm. but getting back to um, uh, Yama Tababa, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that episode uh, <laughs> when it was made is clearly going for a more comedic uh, story. Mm-hmm. However, uh, in May of 2020, uh, it's starting startlingly <laughs> realistic. <laughs> Um, yeah, like <laughs> because this monster uh, comes to Earth in a capsule, and and he is the host of this virus, and so the virus get, puts ugly dots on your face and makes you lazy. That's that's whatever. But but the thing is, there's like an alarming am- amount of scenes where like the kid that gets it is like, and, and the alien because the alien um, can communicate. The, the the little alien is like for the love of God. Nobody go anywhere. Like it, 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 it will spread, and it, it will, it will be the collapse of society, and it will make us weakened for an alien takeover. Don't go anywhere. And and every time someone gets the virus, he grows bigger, and hungrier, and and he's just like, please stop it. Uh, and so yeah, it's um, it's uh, an, a, a mildly uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd have thought we'd we'd end up in episode forty-eight of Return of Ultraman? Oh yeah, I, I uh, yeah, no kidding. Except it's not as fun. <laughs> well, but let's. Uh, I'm going to defer to John here. John, you want to go next? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I love this show so much that I think I watched it within two and a half months or less, and that was now like two months ago. So they're kind of all blending together for me. I told um, you to a degree, but I know I really enjoyed most of it. There were very few that I didn't like. Sorry. What were you going to say, Bird? Oh, I, I, I was just saying, yeah, I told you when you said, like, they're all starting to blend together. <laughs> yeah. I like how John's yeah. apologizing. Well, I, 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 the way... <laughs> hasn't been interrupting him all night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to Bird berating me on uh, Facebook all day now. That's true. <laughs> he always sends me corrections and stuff, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, okay, my favorite episodes, um, I hate the way this sounds, but there's certain episodes that I really liked as, like, a historian now, because I knew kind of, like, what was going on behind the scenes, like, 
I like the Prism Monster episode mostly because I knew Kashida wrote it, and you know that's what made it interesting to me. But uh, one of them that I'd like to spotlight is the two-part Terror of the Water Sprout uh, Monster Ooh, yeah. episode. Those are great. Um, and part of the reason, I'm, yeah, just, great episodes. Yeah, I mean the effects on that were spectacular, and the, it also recycled a few shots from old Toho movies. I think there's some shots from Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster in there. And if I'm not mistaken, okay, so Terror of the Water Sprout Monsters was edited into like a a movie for the Champion Festival, and yeah. it was either the double bill with with uh, the re-release of Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster, or it was the double bill with Godzilla versus Gigan, and I don't remember which. But I I just think it would have been really cool as a as a kid to see that on a double bill with one of the Godzilla films. And uh, and then also the Twin Tail episode was another one that they they edited together into a feature, and it also was like a double bill on a Champion Festival Godzilla release. So that was another really good one. And then towards the end, I don't know why they quit uh, editing episodes together. And I know they released uh, Jiro Rides a Monster theatrically as well, and that was also a, a pretty well done episode where he's like trapped in the space capsule. And somehow the the space capsule yeah. is like on the monster's head or something like that. Yeah, he's like a big hermit crab. Yeah, the, the, yeah. yeah. So yeah, the yeah, hermit crab. Bird loves that episode. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> let, yada yada yado yado Karen. The monster names are getting more and more hard to pronounce for me. But uh, yeah, that episode is crazy because like, yeah, Jiro winds up in this crashed space shuttle, which by the way. Uh, is a, a shuttle that... So Jiro takes a, a box that, like, you have to open it because it's like a puzzle, and then uh, he takes it home, and then for some reason goes dumbass, takes it to space with him to investigate this space oh, that's right. station. <laughs> that's another terrible thing that Go did. <laughs> yeah, why would you uh. Why would you do that? Um, and... and uh, uh, so the space station ends up crashing, and uh, I guess this little little hermit crab—well, not little because he's a kaiju—but this hermit crab monster, Big like, guy. yeah, he he he's like, oh, this can be like a my shell, and so he lives in there, and then like Jiro gets in there, and then he actually opens the box when he's in there, and uh, it's his friend's uh, umbilical cord, which is a thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And then and then and then the monster like, you know, oh he God. he surfaces and he is the goofiest looking I, I don't know. I usually I'm pretty like okay with goofy monsters, but for some reason when they showed this thing, I just started laughing like out loud. Just the goofiest looking thing with the goofiest sounds that are like mutated uh Gabra roars. And I don't know, he doesn't really do anything but walk around. And then, of course, Ultraman comes in, and he's like, oh, there's a monster, and it's alive, so I have to impale it with a cross and then light it on <laughs> it fire. Yeah, yeah, and then light it on fire. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that oh that, God, that episode is was one of the big, like, brain melters for me. Uh, any um, Any other ones you want to throw wanna... out there, John? No, those were the main ones. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Matt, you want to throw out some highlights next? I, I got. Yeah. So the one you mentioned the racism one. That's 
that's a really like somber, depressing, yeah. excellent episode. Well, it was like I, I but, uh, the one that we haven't talked about yet. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I, I, one more thing. I want to add to that one though, Matt is um, at least in my opinion, I thought that uh, that one had the best for me. I, I thought that one was photographed beautifully, especially the. The, mi- the the, the really miniatures was. and that that big fight in the rain i i just thought like you know from what i understand after return is when we're going to get into like the shows that don't have the greatest effects but like i was like wow this I... is like the best i tokusatsu i've seen in one of these shows you like i just love the way it was filmed and the use of light and it was, it, it was, it really stood out from all the other episodes. Yeah. That, that's a great episode. Uh, one of the ones we haven't talked about that I actually love is the Oxter episode, which is like, yes, the water, water. <laughs> I love that. Where, that one's a really good one. Ultraman murders the monster to send him back to be with his, the, the bones of his family. But like, it, it's got some really chilling, haunting moments that are like straight out of a horror film where there's these old crazy village people and there's like this legend and they're all like it, it's a really trippy cow monster. It's awesome. And it's, it's also it's a really b- interesting and weird monster design. It's, I love that It's thing. really strange. Really, so, uh, yeah, I love that design too. Another, another thing I want to bring up, um, that episode was written by Toshiro Ishido. And this is really weird, um, but he also wrote the episode of uh, Ultraman Ace that features a cow monster too. And I believe I think he wrote hmm. another cow monster toku shit. Uh, What's with this guy in cows? Uh, like I don't know. Like I guess cows did something uh, awful to him or something. Let's. <laughs> I believe he did one more cow episode but he, he definitely did the one in ace which is just super weird like what was his deal with cows that is that's very a, strange. That's a weird sort of um I, you guys kind of hit the other ones like i, I think the the two-parter with gudon and twin tail is like an all-timer um i love astromon which is enough the first episode that's a that's a great one and then not so much this episode but there's a moment there's there's a, a subplot where there's a plot in one of the episodes where this this guy is drawing a monster and telling these kids stories, but he refuses to like bring in Ultraman, and that guy ends up being an alien. And what he does is he actually like abducts a kid, throws him off a bridge. The kid gets hit by a car, and then they frame go for it. And that like oh yeah, <laughs> that episode is insane. So those are, those are some of the other things that we haven't talked about, but like the Oxer episode is great, and I really. The two-parter where Shin Kishida um, and Aki die is, is also, I think, very good up until that last ending scene. But, like, that resonated with me. Like, I was – I knew it was coming to a certain extent, but I didn't realize the kind of impact that I felt for those characters. And, unfortunately, again, my biggest criticism probably is that I feel like it's not followed up the way that it should be with the rest of the episodes. But that two-parter is, like, a total gut punch. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I actually appreciated for that. Um, yeah, uh, okay, well, I guess, uh, some of mine, um, again, trying not to recycle anything, uh, one that I like, and probably for, like, the wrong reasons, 
<laughs> so it's more of like an ironic like is the Kingstron episode. Um, let me tell you about this. That's a good one. Let, let, I like that one. Too. I, I actually really like that one. Let too. me tell you about this on, episode because it's in, this is like another one where I was like, this is crazy. Um, so this there's this adorable little uh, baby monster that crashes on Earth or something, and and the he's he's in a little cage. And um, is it is it one of Jiro's friends or is it just some random kid? That so this I think it's just some, some random okay, kid. Okay, so I have to so, the, so the kid episode. like sees them out in this field and he's like, "Hey, you're MIT, MAT. That's cool." And he's like, "Oh, what's like that little cute little monster?" And they're like, "Oh, stand back, stand back." And he's like, "But he's just like a cute little like thing, <laughs> like he's harmless." And they're like, "But it might grow up to be very dangerous." And and so they pull out a rocket launcher and they 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 uh, blow up this innocent little creature. <laughs> like they they legit blow up. <laughs> chunks go everywhere. And it's the cutest little monster you could ever think up. And um, so his uh, his entrails spl- uh, fly everywhere, and the kid for whatever reason takes like a piece of this exploded creature. And he goes back to his apartment and, like, pins it onto the wall for some reason. Like, I don't know what's, what's wrong with this kid, but, like, who who takes a, like, piece of a dead animal home and just, like, hangs it on their wall? Uh, anyway, so it, it starts to manifest as this illustration, like, this drawing of this big monster called Kingstron. He, he notices... That like he can he can like play around with it. So he's like, okay, you have horns, and when your horns are are facing forward, that's when you're angry and ready to attack. So he he kind of designs this monster that has grown out of this piece of dead flesh that he put on his wall. And so eventually, it it grows out of the wall, and and um, uh, like his mom is also like, oh my god, what have you done to the apartment? You're a horrible son. And and she like throws it literally like pushes him out into the hallway and locks the door and she's like you know you're you're no son of mine so 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 this mother has uh, abandoned her child uh, because of this also because <laughs> she doesn't believe him um, so then the monster grows out of the building and it's a big kaiju and it it fights Ultraman and. Uh, you know, the kid has to be like, you know, um, you know, he says something like, turn his horns back, because he, he can't fight that way or something. Um, and then Ultraman, of course, murders him in front of the boy, and uh, that's that episode. Um, so that's insane. Um, <clears throat> another one, let's see, I got a little booklet in front of me. Uh, another one I really liked was... Um, uh, what's this episode called? Um, 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 uh, it is uh, Poison Gas Monster Appears. Um, and uh, this one is... Uh, there's this creature... Uh, let me see if I can find his name, unless Connor can think of it before I find it. Uh, Mogdazan. There we go. Um, so You're he welcome. he sprays this poison yellow gas, and it turns out that um, that's something that it inherited from this weapon that Kishida's... 
uh, father helped develop in World War II, so like he kind of is like, you know, I this is my family's problem. I need to handle it. Uh, of course, he's ineffective, and Ultraman has to handle it anyway. Um, but that was an interesting yeah. kind of uh, kind of thing to deliver episode, in a kids' show of like. Yeah. Is that like a stand-in yeah, for definitely? Um, I think that one is easily uh, one that should be talked about a little bit more. I think it, you know, it handles, um, you know, that sort of theme really well. Uh, I think the only problem I have with that episode is that Kashida's not the one to kill the monster. Right, like yeah. Ultraman doesn't, you know, hold it back. Um, but other than that, there's there's actually some interesting tidbits about that episode. Uh, that was the last episode written by Tetsuo Kinjo, who wrote. Um, it was incredibly influential with uh, like Ultraman and Ultra Seven, and uh, you know I think it's a pretty good send off for him. And from what I've heard when I was doing research for my site, aside from the the war crimes sort of thing, um, there was an incident in 1971 where the United States military moved chemical weapons from Okinawa to the Johnston Islands, which was known as Operation Red Hat, and this happened. Uh, during an after an earlier incident in 1969, when there was a leak of these uh, of these weapons, which poisoned um, 20 U.S. soldiers and caused a big outcry, which I thought was really uh, surprising, because hmm. they I never even knew about Operation Red Hat until um, I did research for my site, which I you know I hey I learned something from the show. That is that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Uh, I also liked um, the Stegon episode uh, where a bunch of kids are uh, learning about paleontology and and they dig up this uh, old dinosaur's bones and the bones come to life uh, and um, uh, it's Stegon, the monster Stegon, who uh, melts some construction workers. (laughs) And then Ultraman, uh, it's it's very similar in ways to the Gabadon episode of the original series, which is like one of my favorites. So that might be why I like it so much. Uh, And then of course, you know, the kids, they love Stegon, but Ultraman is going to brutalize him in front of them anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, let's see, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe do one more. Um, Uh, I had it, but I forgot which one I wanted to do. Oh, the, um, the one with, uh, um, the, the, the guy that made The Last War did this one. It's the two aliens that look like, ah, uh, uh, yeah, the, the Mr. With, like, aliens. weird sucker faces. They're really silly looking. The, the, but... the pod people. <laughs> yeah. They look like the, the, yeah, the Trumpy. Is it Trumpy? Yeah, it's Trumpy. Um, so uh, that one was another interesting one that brought up some kind of, brought in some kind of social commentary because uh, this one alien um, escapes because they're in like a constant, basically like eternal war with another planet. Um uh, Mistler, not molester, Mistler, uh, that's the name of the alien race. Um, but think like, um, Iran and Palestine or something. And, and he escapes with his young daughter to earth because he's like, it sucks here. I want to go somewhere else. <clears throat> and then, um, I guess the commander or whatever of their military tracks him down cause he escaped. And he's like, no, you're, you need to, 
get in the this this war you need to fight and not only that we uh we need extra forces so we're going to recruit ultraman and the mat and he's like i just want to live here with my daughter and you know he he blackmails him into to trying to turn over ultraman and in the end um you know the the two aliens fight and then of course ultraman is the one that that beats the the bad alien but that was another one where i was like wow these are actually like kind of heady heady themes to to put into a, a children's you know saturday morning show um aside from the aliens looking pretty goofy i i, I that was a, one of the later episodes that i thought really stood out yeah that actually is a good episode bird I, I very similar thoughts and the the father um he ends up dying correct am, am i wrong in that i don't No, they uh they get to live yeah, oh, they yeah, they, they yeah, they all get that in Ultraman all the time. Yeah, they get to live as as people, but yeah, I mean, especially now, like with all the shit about immigration and and stuff, you know, it, it's uh, an episode that is still relevant. Um, and then, so yeah, those are my real highlights. I mean, there's some other stuff like. One of my favorite WTF moments is in uh, the Zagoras episode where um, he like elevates a piece of land into the sky and uh, the science patrol let a child shoot it with a machine gun. Um, they all should have lost their oh, jobs yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> after that. I, um, I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah, one of many instances where like, because Kenji Sahara comes in and out as like, I don't even, what is he? He's like their, he's their boss. He's like a government guy who's constantly like, you guys are fuck-ups. You, like, we're ready to disband you. And, like, every time he does, I'm like, I'm on, I'm totally on his side because these people are horrible at everything. Um, uh... Yeah, those are the real highlights for me. Um, oh, another funny one was, uh, is it Shugaron? Shugaron, he's like this bumpy mountain monster. Yeah, he's the bumpy guy. Yeah, so they go through this whole episode, uh, and of course Ultraman brutally murders him, and then at the end it turns out he's actually the reincarnation of um, of somebody's father, and they're just like, ah, ha, ha, everything's fine. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I, it's, it's like the Wu episode without, you know, taking itself too seriously. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that happens a lot where Ultraman... A lot of the time these monsters are just kind of roaming around in a mountain or whatever. And there, someone's like, I saw a monster. And then for some reason nobody believes them, even though their job is to fight monsters constantly and then yeah they find the monster and it's usually not hurting anyone and then they do horrible things to it and then laugh about it at the end um has that ever been brought up like for example like in the real world animal rights activists would be so anti ultraman and like the science community i'm sure also like has that ever been brought up about like hey can you like what if you don't just kill everything I know it's it's the basis for a couple later Ultraman shows. Like Ultraman Gaia plays around with the whole idea of, well, you know, these Earth monsters, maybe, you know, they have a place on this planet too. And then there's series like uh, like Ultraman Cosmos and Ultraman X where, you know, the heroes are intentionally trying to find a way for monsters and humanity to coexist. Um, Taro even does that a little bit too. Like there's a couple episodes in Taro where, you know, humanity pisses off a monster that was otherwise just kind of doing its own thing 
And instead of just like decapitating it, Taro's like, well, I'm just going to kind of move you somewhere else away from the humans. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> and, um, I didn't mention that. It's something bad. Yeah, uh, I didn't mention the episode, um, but one of my probably my favorite monster. I like Sartan, the big like elephant thing. Uh, oh yeah, he's a good one. Yeah, I, as far as he the actual like monsters a, a go, demented... I like him a lot. Yeah, he, he's a he's a really fun kind of Doctor Seuss looking monster, and you know, I think I I really like it personally when the monsters don't look exactly like you know an animal or uh, a real life organism. Like, I like it when they're, like, a weird nonsense kind of creature. Yeah. And Sartan, out of all of them, is nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I love it. I think we should bring up Varricane, too, in, in terms of, like, our runners-up. Yeah. How do we not talk about Varricane? Because I'm that wrong. is the craziest... <laughs> when that monster showed up, I was like, okay, I, everything... All logic is out the window. <laughs> Spinning jellyfish... You know, horrible anus face, head, monster. Anus face, Hedora eyes looking motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Flying jellyfish. That's a great episode too. I actually really like that. Yeah, Akio Soji wrote that one. Of course he did because he's uh, he's the man. Yeah. There's also uh, an episode. I say this um, real quick to an episode. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I'll let you do yours I first. You I've done, been, I've, no, I've been yapping enough. You can do yours. No, I was I was actually going to transition to something we haven't talked about, and that's the character of Oka. And there's an episode, and she she's the oh god the lone female monster attack team member who doesn't really do much. No, if you think like, if you think Fuji doesn't do anything, <laughs> you have not yeah. met Oka yet, who is just there to Sadly, check off the box that says female team member. Yeah. She does get she does get some time to shine in the the second part of the uh, the knackle episode where she's able to fight off the controlled mat agents, and then she gets her own focus episode where she's possessed by a giant rooster monster. But uh, other than that, she she doesn't get much, unfortunately. She, she does get told a lot that women should stay home, and that <laughs> she gets like she she basically gets sent home or like on vacation or something, and then she gets drunk and she's like, well, maybe women should stay home or something. I'm paraphrasing here, yeah. but that's what I feel like happened. In that well, episode. and well, then she, well, she's, she gets drunk and then she stays home. Cause they're like, Oh yeah. Like, well, well, well at first he's like, yeah, you know, maybe you should like get out there and do more field work instead of just staying here. And then she's like, well, aren't, don't women typically like take care of things while the men are out? And then the captain's like, yeah, whatever. But like, we should figure out something for you to do. And then before he even has a chance to do that, she keeps fucking up by leaving switches on and doing all these things. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so stupid. And then he's like, y- maybe you should just. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, you, maybe you should just go on a month leave, and she, uh, uh, her emotions get the best of her, and she, the first thing she does is go out and gets drunk, and then she, she passes out and gets possessed by a giant turkey thing, um, which, uh, uh, just in case you haven't quite gotten what the problem is, uh, the monster's name is Femigon. Um, and then so Ultraman, uh, comes and beats up, uh, Femigon, uh, who represents all the horrible things about women when they, uh, go rogue, uh, and he rips the little testicle-like things off of its (laughs) face, and then, uh, it leaves Oka's body, and, um, so yeah, you, you can't let women do things or else they'll do horrible things. Uh, unless you, they... they'll become giant rooster monsters. Right. Yeah. So obviously they should stay in the kitchen or whatever sexist thing. Um, 
So that's horrible and much, and much. I weird that Ultraman. Weird that well, I was gonna he, say. Is it weird that Ultraman like rips off a penis thing to prove that women are bad? Is that how that? <laughs> what's going on right now? Well, I, I what Freud would say about this. Show. I, I think it's. I think. What it's, do you say about uh, the ultra? The ultra bracelet. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's more even more offensive than the uh, Gama Kajira episode of the first series where they're like, oh, Fuji's just acting insane because she wants diamonds, and when women don't have diamonds, they act crazy. <laughs> uh, this one is, is is a lot worse. There's another one that kind of bothered me, and um, I guess I have to be a little bit careful because uh, Japan is a work culture where it's like, when you graduate into adulthood, you work until death. Um, so like they have like 14 hour work days or more even sometimes, but there's the episode where, uh, the, the second captain, they're like, you should go on vacation. You are overly stressed. You have a f- nice family at home. Like go enjoy time with them. And, uh, I can relate because as a, a manager in my actual life, I have been told this by my staff when I am uh, uh, way too wound up. They're like, you have like 100 hours of PTO. Why are you here every day all the time? Like, stay home. So I can relate to the good captain there. Um, but, I mean, right off the bat, he's telling his family, like, on the way to this uh, cabin or wherever they're staying, he's like, yeah, you know, I didn't want to do this. This is stupid. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, my, my staff told me, like, I should go do something with you dum-dums and and then um and then uh the, then there's um an alien that has tracked him down to this place and he summons a big Diamagian ripoff and um and then at the end he's like yeah you know this is why going on vacation is dumb <laughs> so it's like you know it's like hey be a working stiff your whole life that's another one that kind of like had me like eh, i don't know if i like what you're saying <laughs> um, oh man but yeah the the show in general um just is is really solid uh <clears throat> another episode worth mentioning is the vampire bat episode i always like when they do more horror oh my God. <laughs> i always like when they do horror adjacent things because like i'm my other big thing is horror movies. Yeah. And so... Same here. Uh, yeah, so the giant... It's fun. Yeah, the giant vampire bat looks more like a weird deformed bunny, but, uh, you know, it's it's cool. It's the same thing with the, 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 the cow episode. Uh, you know, I, I it's nice to bring in some horror stuff. I, I, I like the horror episode. I do think that Alien's plan was kind of ridiculous, where I'm going to, you know, depopulate the Earth by killing a single woman every night. <laughs> It's like <laughs> my guy. There's there's a easy, Women there's are easier ways for making babies. Yep. <laughs> and then um again more horror did you, stuff. Did you did you guys notice though that episode that the the uh female alien was from the planet Carmila? Yeah. Like as in I thought that was pretty cool. I was I was surprised they would even like take note of that. Yeah. Cuz that's uh <laughs> that's a novel, right? It's been made a million yep. times. That's the Yeah. yeah. Vampire novels, um, yeah, and see the vampire lovers had just come out, so I wonder if it like kind of helped inspire that. Yeah, Honestly, I wouldn't be too surprised if that was the case. Well, Hammer was definitely an influence on Japanese stuff. Like that was the whole thesis behind Toho making their vampire trilogy was like, hey, 
we want to do something like that. Um, <clears throat> another one that runs horror adjacent is uh, In Between Devil and Angel, which uh, I think there's some obvious homage or influence from The Omen, where there's an alien that's taking the disguise of this nice little boy. And, um, <laughs> of course, at the end, the, the, the so he unleashes a kaiju uh, pluma, which looks like a weird vegetable or something. I don't even know how to explain him. Um, and then at the end, of course... It's, the, it's like a weird armadillo yeah. dinosaur kind of guy. <laughs> and then at the end, of course, uh, uh, the, the child gets shot in the neck, and uh, you know the, the final <laughs> images of the episode are a little boy holding his neck and blood covering his hand. So uh, typical, you know, kids show stuff. Um, but yeah, man... Uh, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I, Fifty-one episodes. I mean, I ha- I was having a hard time binging like thirty episode Tokusatsu shows. So, you know, I it so it was uh, something to get through. But um, I f- I did find that as opposed to binging them, as I did with you know the other shows we've reviewed, I uh, I enjoyed watching this more because I was spacing it out. It was like. I do a couple episodes a week, and then like the more it got to the point where you guys were watching it and finishing it, I was like, okay, I'll I'll try to do like five episodes a week, and kind of ramp up my viewing, and and that worked, and I, I was so I think that's kind of going to be my approach moving forward. Um, it made it just really f- fun for me. Um, the thing that I, I was I was kind of looking up before we started, and part of the reason why I was a few minutes late, aside from software stuff, um, was uh, we, we, we should mention that there's a few references to Mamagon, which I think our listeners would know is the, the, the comic, <laughs> oh, yeah. the comic yeah. book creator's monster from Godzilla vs. Gigan. And um, in episode 44... Um, which is an episode I'm not too hot on. It's the Garandas, Granadas, whatever. Yeah, where there's an alien girl on Earth who Kishida falls in love with in literally the span of probably less than 12 hours, and he's already decided he's going to marry her and everything. <laughs> the guy is, uh, I don't know what his deal is. Uh, that's not normal. Um, but when they <laughs> rescue her at the beginning from a car crash, she's wearing the, the same shirt that the girl in Godzilla vs. Gigan is. Um, and then in episodes 45 and 48, they mention the monster Mamagon. And uh, so Godzilla vs. Gigan was released in uh, March 12th of 1972. The episode with the shirt is February 11th, 72. The, the next mention of Mamagon is... February 18th, 1972, and then the one uh, with uh, the kid that actually talks about Mamagon and they show, like, a strict mother, that one was uh, March 10th, 1972, <laughs> two days before Godzilla vs. Gigan was released. Now, here's where it gets weirder, because just in, like, farting around, I found out that Mamagon and Godzilla vs. Gigan is actually named after... A uh, an alien mother from a show, a Subarai show called Chibiri Kun, which was broadcast in 1970, mm-hmm. and they were 15 minute episodes that followed um, uh, the comical adventures of a juvenile hero 
um, who lived with his parents, Papagon and Mamagon. So that kind of makes it even stranger in wondering if it's a, a reference to Mamagon of the Subaraya series or Mamagon of Godzilla vs. Gigan and where they might or might not intersect. Um, so, yeah, that, that was kind of a weird discovery was that the, the Gigan's Mamagon was in reference to another Mamagon. So there's more Mamagons than I ever would have thought. And did we talk about how they played with a lot of like Baragon toys on the show? Yeah, yeah one of the Honda the episode episodes with, uh, they did. Too. They had a Baragon toy in that. And one. then the other one was. And then the uh, kid says, "Yeah, yeah." The other one was, um, yeah. There's two episodes with a Baragon toy. One of which was a Honda one, but stuff like that's always fun. Like the first episode of Max that Kaneko made. There's the kids playing with the Godzilla and Gamera, which probably won't wind up on the Blu-ray release, unfortunately. But. Uh, <laughs> that, that makes me sad, but I'm not surprised. Um, but yeah, that was just it, it, from what I gather. The original Mamagon was like a more gentle mother. She often intervened in her son's goofy antics, but she's described as being loving. And so I don't know if she was the mo- monster of strict mothers, like the version that the guy in Godzilla vs. Gigan would create. But um, yeah, I I was in the middle of like a Mamagon wormhole as you guys were all <laughs> signing on to Skype. So, um, uh, so yeah, I, um, the, the show is solid. I, I think we've hit most of the highlights. I mean, obviously a show of 51 episodes, we're not going to talk about every episode, but, um, yeah, I, I think we can do, I mean, um, geez, what, uh, uh, how many, uh, randomly rating ex- system? Uh, ran- yeah. I mean, there's a lot of them. Uh, uh, um, keepsake umbilical cords, uh, anus-faced jellyfish, um, randomly exploding, exploding dogs. dogs. I, I mean... People dying horribly. Yeah. monster. <laughs> Children operating machine guns. I mean, uh, 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 <laughs> take your pick. Um, but uh, I will... I will give this um, four out of five children... Uh, covering their uh, bleeding necks from bullet wounds. <laughs> what about you, John? I'd actually give it five. I enjoyed it that much. Uh, I'd, I'd have to give it five as well. It's it's one of my favorite shows. It you know, even after seeing nearly the entire franchise, uh, every time I go back to it, I I still love it. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give it a five out of five, warts and all. Yeah, the only I'm thing that's a, yeah. keeping me from five is just I of the shows so far. This is the one where I feel the most disconnected from the human cast. But you know, yeah. I, I I'm still giving it a four with that, which I think is good praise because mm-hmm. it means everything else really no. hits. Yeah, I'm at a uh, four and a half anus face jellyfish monsters out of five. Okay. Um, yeah, no, uh, it, it's it's good stuff, and uh, I I'm happy to to finally have a good release of it. Um, what's up with so? How do you guys rank it? I was just gonna ask how you rank it against the, the being the four series. Like, how would you guys rank this? Oh God, that for me that's oh, really that's hard. Your, put me on the spot for that. For yeah. for me that's um, really hard because like. I, I, 
I, I guess if there's anything I can say is that the shows are, aren't consistent enough within themselves for me to, to be able to formulate that. I know Q is my favorite. And then, like, between this seven and Ultraman, it's like, I don't know. I, 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 like, it's cheating to call them a tie, but they're kind of a tie for me. Like, the highs of seven yeah, are better like, than the highs of anything else, but the lows of seven are worse. And then, like, it, it just all, everything kind of just cancels itself out. Q is my mm-hmm. number one, 100%. After that, I, I am at a loss. I like I, I know that's like a cop out answer, but like I I can't formulate it at least not right now. Like like I'm I'm pretty much in the same boat. Um, I I definitely think where one show falters, another show is able to uh, you know pick up the pace and everything. And I think when all the shows are able to hit you know their peak uh, with their good episodes, they they're all at the same spot for me. Like. It's, it's it's hard. There there are four really good shows. Yeah. Like, um, how about you, John? <clears throat> yeah. What's your so favorite? We're saying just of the first, just of just the, the first, first four. four. Yeah. Did no, you ever man, finish I mean, the, the other the ones though? Aren't you like one of those dumb people that's yeah, like, I... I only watched the Godzilla stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I haven't finished Ultra Q. I've seen all of Ultraman and Ultra Seven like years ago, okay, so, but not recently. So, from memory, where would you put those three? Discount Q because you're you have problems. So, within those three, what, what do you think? <laughs> I just go in reverse order. So, Return of Ultraman, the best. Uh, Ultra Seven, second best, and then Ultraman third for me. Okay. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm with Bird that I think Ultra Q is probably the best, and then I would probably actually go Return of Ultraman, Ultraman, and then Ultra 7. Hmm, interesting. Like, I'd rather have three shows where I'm like, oh man, this show is good, but then this show is good too. Um, and again, the way I rank them is, uh, I'd, I'd probably rank them Ultraman, uh, Return, Q7, but at the same time, it's if I could have them all as a tie, they would be a tie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have two specific questions for Connor before I forget that I meant to ask earlier. So I, I did say I really like the yes. the finale episode, which, uh, you know, leave it to Shiro Honda to come and bring it all together. Um, mm-hmm. But so at the end, are we led to believe that Go is permanently um, forged with Jack and that he's going to go handle help yeah. and he's going to go handle uh, help Jack with some N78 business? Yep. Okay. As of as of that episode, they are they are permanently fused together. So you know, whenever you see Jack and and Go and other shows like Leo or Mebius, they're the same dudes. Okay. And then uh, my other question was, and it's, uh, I think it's the, I don't even remember which episode it is. I think it's the um, the the one the racism one with the the rainy yeah. what what's the damn the Marucci is that the monster yeah Marucci I yeah. think it's in this episode where the captain just shows up out of nowhere when Go is like oh god I don't know what to do and he's like uh he's in a disguise and he like some kind of traditional mm-hmm. Japanese dra- uh, uh, wearing like a Raiden hat yeah, yeah and he's like go fight it's your job and then um like 
it for I don't know where why he was there all of a sudden, but my thing is that like it almost hints that he knows that he's Ultraman. And then there's a couple times later where everyone's really worried about Go, and the captain is like, "Oh, he's okay." So like, are they trying to tell us that he knows the secret identity? Um. Well, I haven't figured. I haven't actually found much information like what's about with that, that scene. But I... the way I've always seen it is he knows. But you know he's not going to just you know blab to his yeah. superiors or it's know, weird the other that they wouldn't. Say, oh, it, oh yeah, we have Ultraman. Or, yeah, it's weird that like they wouldn't like in the last episode like he'd be like yeah I knew all along or something. I don't know. That's very strange. Which captain do you guys like the most? I I definitely like Hibiki the the second captain the best. Um, I like the first guy. He's fine. He's cool. But Hibiki though, cool guy. Like he shoots an alien child in the throat. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he throws a knife at alien bad. He's got. That he's a really little cool more of a this episode at the end. Yeah, yeah. he's. A, I I think With I would. If, diamond. He he's the one that is probably better at his job. The first captain was. He was a little too much more like a friend. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. do you want to have the boss that's more effective or the one that's nicer? Like it's that old yeah. question. But what about the rest of you guys? Kind of like the first captain more. Not it's degrees though, like I, potato potato in some respects. But I think I like the first one. Is there? Do we know why? He, was he just he committed to other things, and that's why he I, just abruptly I, left? I haven't found out what happened to uh, his actor, um, but I've heard that uh, Sukamoto, the guy who plays him, uh, and this is this is kind of a weird bit of synchronicity, um, but I, I'd like to bring it up because I don't know when else I could. But uh, he. His his other major role in Tokusatsu is he plays the role uh, of Tani from New Common Rider and Common Rider Super One as a replacement for the uh, for the character of uh, Tachibana played by Akio Kobayashi, you know, who played Captain Muramatsu in uh, the original Ultraman, which I think is really weird. So is this and guy just get, like um, he Kobayashi re- yeah he just replaces other people is that I I guess and apparently they died not too. Not too far apart from each other, too, which is, you know, extra creepy. Huh. Uh, yeah, so that's that's a little weird tidbit for you. Huh. John, which captain do you like more? Well, I want to go with a weird tidbit first since we're, we're on those. Um, so for the replacement captain, the original choice was actually Yoshio uh, Suchaya. For, you know, the human vapor and the the commander of the Mysterians. He was it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know why he wasn't cast, but uh, he was talked about, which I think is interesting. Um, but I, I also prefer the second captain because he provided some conflict or more conflict with Go. Um, you know, in those first episodes, there's conflict between he and the captain, but it seems like after that, they're just buddy-buddy. Whereas with the second captain, there's always um, some conflict between him and some tension. He kind of doesn't even like him at first. His first impression of him isn't yeah. the best. Yeah. But yeah, it, the by the time you get to the last episode, you know, there actually is like some development there which which is nice. But uh So, um yeah, no, that I don't know, that was a lot of fun. Are there any more tidbits or uh any more thoughts to explore before we call it a night here? Uh I'm not sure. I think we did a pretty good job covering uh, 
quite a bit about the show, you know, at least enough for, you know, someone to dive into it and still be surprised by it. Yeah. Um, it's again, if, if you like Kaiju or Ultraman stuff, it's only like 27 bucks mm-hmm. and worth every penny. Please pick it up. Yeah. And I guess, a fi- I guess, I mean, obviously Tsuburaya himself was more involved in the first three shows. And I, a- apparently he came up with the name return of Ultraman and then he passed away. So mm-hmm. as little as it is, this is the last series that has any of his fingerprints on it anywhere it would seem so uh and from what i understand we're on a a one-way trip to crazy cuckooville uh at this point so yeah it's when when ace when you guys see ace i'm i'm excited to hear your thoughts on it because it gets (laughs) nuts uh yeah it, it does not let up until we get into the uh the 80s or so yeah um all right well no this this was a lot of fun and uh, connor is uh you have a home here as our resident ultra guy if you ever want to come back for any ultra related stuff and john of course it's always a pleasure i'm sure i'll yell at you about something later yeah probably later tonight (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah, no, I mean, uh, let's see. What we we clocked in at uh, two hours and sixteen minutes, I think, for a fifty-one episode series. That's eh, not too bad. That's not bad. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.